0: This show was previously recorded from 2019. smith the beginning of god bless america uh you know i play that because of all the the assault that was on her for that song Just give me a break oh what is wrong with us and you know that the pledging of the allegiance to a country that's free is done in freedom <laughs> as well isn't that great I, I like that, that it's done in freedom, that uh, you can choose to do that. That's what sets us apart. Um, I love that. And uh, that the, the clip I played in the previous segment was Murray Rothbard, who was the economist of our time, who I wanted to play uh, talking about what happened um, at the turn of, of several centuries there and what happened with money and what happened with what we're dealing with now, right? As the robber barons, uh, the politicians go to work to... Uh, To plunder or 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 exercise theft over the citizenry, for what they um, for their idea of what government should do, Um, and the programs that it invents, how vulnerable uh, we have become as a citizenry when we weren't supposed to be that. We actually were not supposed to be this vulnerable, but we were. And like he said, soldiers wanted to be paid, and and uh, and so the the invention of paper money came along, and they realized that they could print as much as possible uh, to fulfill that need. And even though they pledged not to do it, they figured that they could just keep doing it because it was for the good of the people. Isn't it funny how it's the good of the people uh, gets them to go against the pledge to the people and to violate principle and to basically invent, um, invent a, a new stream of monies. It's no wonder what happened at the, uh, turn of the 20th century in the early 1900s. And if, if I would at that point refer the book Creature of Jekyll Island to tell you what happened with central banking. And a lot of people think that central banking saved us from the Depression, whereas the Depression was actually uh, calculated. It was calculated to invent a solution of central banking. A lot of people might disagree with me. I don't care. <laughs> I've read too much. Uh, so uh, that that, like he said, he said when you're dealing with the free market, Murray Rothbard. He said in the previous clip. He said, you know, the free market um, will uh, correct itself, right? You have a bad radio. The people with good radios come along and and sell those. Uh, we didn't actually need the central banking mechanism, but it found its way to uh, to become a solution to us. And we didn't want something like the depression to come along, and nobody understood what was really going on with the depression. So, um, so we tolerated it as a citizenry. Had we been up on this and known what had been going on for centuries, we would not have tolerated it. But there again, there we there we land. Um, so I just wanted to, um, to talk about Lord Acton and talk about, he actually died, I think, uh, around 1906, uh, gave this lecture, and this lecture can be found, it is the uh, Lectures, let me give you the right title here, uh, the Lectures on Modern History. And when I say that this this hour is about learning what we didn't know in high school, what we were not presented with or taught, I'm dead serious. We just weren't, and so we're, we have a lot of catching up to do. Right? My facetious, my facetious statement is: you did not learn this in high school. You didn't learn this at all. Um, for some reason, we counted on high school to inform us <laughs> some, somewhere along the way, and uh, and that isn't that that did not that didn't teach us anything. So. Between right before the revolution, between eight, this is from Lord Acton, between 1727 and 1761, many things had changed, and the colonies had grown to be richer and more confident, and more self-respecting, and the claim to extend to the Mississippi uh, and had no French or, or Spaniards on their borders. Uh, practically, there was no neighbor but England, and they had a, 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 a patrimony such as that no Englishman had ever dreamt of. So, the letter of the law, the practice of that last generation were no argument with the heirs of the unbounded wealth and power and did not convince them that they ought to lose by the aid uh, which they had given against France at the time. So uh, the court decided to, in favor of the validity of the writs, and, and John Adams, uh, who heard the judgment long uh Wrote long after that, in that hour, uh, that child uh, independence was born. The English view triumphed for some time. Um, And let me me back up a little bit. James Otis spoke and lifted the question uh, to a different level, uh, one in the memorable speeches in political history. And assuming but not admitting that the Boston Custom House officers were acting legally and within the statute, he said, but the statute was wrong. Their action might be authorized by Parliament, but if so, the Parliament had exceeded its authority. Like Charles with its ship money and James with the dispensing power, there are principles which override precedents. There are principles which override precedents. What do you hear in the news today? Everything's about precedent, not about principles. And so the laws of England may be a a good thing, but there is such a thing as the higher law. This is from Lord Acton. Okay. So he said, there came the larger question of taxation. Taxation because he said you know the, the uh, colonies were in the right he said regulation of external traffic was admitted and and england patrolled the sea and protected america from the smuggler and the pirate they said some uh re uh re, re uh Remuneration of the uh, reasonably claimed, he said, but it ought to be obtained in such a way as not to hamper or prohibit the increase of wealth. So the restrictions on industry and trade were, however, contrived for the benefit of England and to the injury of the colonies. The Americans, they, the Americans, demanded that the arrangement should be made for their mutual advantage. Isn't that what we say about trade? And shouldn't it be for the mutual advantage, right? They did not go as far as to affirm that it ought to be to their advantage only, irrespective of ours, said Lord Acton, which is our policy from our, our colonies at the present time, the claim was not originally excessive. It is the basis, uh, the imputation that the dispute on both sides was a, an affair of sordid interest, right? Both get your interests met. We shall find it more just to say that the motive was empire on one side, self-government on the other. It was a question between liberty and authority, government by consent, government by force and control of the subject of the state and the control of the state of the subject. The issue had never been so definitely raised before, before this idea of America. So in England, it had long been settled. It had been settled that the legislator could, without breach of anything ethical or constitutional law, without forfeiting, it, you know, for, for, uh, forfeiting its authority or exposing itself to just revolt, make laws that injured, uh, that injurious to the subject for the benefit of the english religion or english trade they could do whatever they wanted in other words that had long been settled so if that principle was abandoned in america it could not well be maintained in ireland and the green flag might fly on the on the dublin castle so there was no survival of the of the dark ages both the oppression of ireland the oppression of america was the work of the modern school the men who executed one king and expelled another it's the work of parliament of the parliaments of cromwell William III, and the parliament that would not consent to, you know, renounce its specific policy, the right of imposing taxes they thought they had on the people because, as Lord Acton said, we were subject to a higher law. So the, uh, the crown, the clergy, the, um, the you, know, uh, uh, you know, aristocrats were hostile to the Americans, but the real enemy was the House of Commons. The old European securities for good government were found insufficient protection against this parliamentary oppression. And so the nation itself, acting by its representation, uh, had to be subject to control. So the political problem raised by the new world was more complicated than the simple issues dealt with in the old. It had become necessary to turn back the current of of the development of politics to bind and limit and confine the state, which it was the pride of the moderns us to exalt. So he said the great mass went with the times and held that the object of politics is power. And that the dominion, that the more dominion it extended, the more it must be retained by force. And the reason why free trade is better than uh, dominion was a secret uh, uh, obscurely buried in the breasts of economists. It was a new phase of political history. The American Revolution innovated upon the English Revolution as the English Revolution innovated upon the politics of uh, Bacon um, or of Hobbes. There was no tyranny to be resented. The colonists were in many ways uh, more completely their own masters than Englishmen at home. They were not roused by the sense of intolerable wrong. The point of issue was very subtle and refined one, and it required a great deal of mismanagement to make the quarrel um, irreconcilable. He said, successive English governments shifted their ground. They tried the Stamp Act, then the duty on tea, and several other articles, then the tea duty alone. And then at last, something even less than the tea duty. In one thing, they were consistent. They never abandoned the right of raising taxes. (laughs) When the colonists, instigated by Patrick Henry, resisted the use of stamps, and Pitt rejoiced that they had resisted, Parliament gave way on that particular measure. Gave them something, right? Declaring that it had retained that disputed right. Townsend uh, carried a a series of taxes on imports, which produced about 300 pounds and dropped by Lord North. Then an ingenious plan was devised, which would enforce the right of taxation. Isn't it funny how government just keeps rearing its ugly head? Uh, But which would not be felt by American pockets and would indeed put money onto them in the shape of a bribe. East India men were allowed to carry tea to American ports without paying a toll in England. The navigation laws were suspended. The very navigation laws, by the way, that that support post office. But anyway, that people in New, New England might drink cheap tea without smuggling. So the duty in England was a shilling a pound and the duty in America was three pence a pound. The shilling was remitted so that the colonies had only a duty of three pence to pay instead of a duty of 15 pence. And the tea drinker at Boston got his tea cheaper than the tea drinker at Bristol. So the revenue made a sacrifice. It incurred a loss in order to uh, gratify the discontented colonials. Um, And if it was a grievance to pay more for a commodity, how could it be a grievance to pay less for the same commodity? Right? Right. So it was proposed that the three pence should be levied at the British port so that the Americans could perceive nothing but the gift, nothing but the welcome fact that their tea was cheaper. They thought that that would make them happy. And uh, it should be spared entirely the taste of bitterness within, Right. That would have upset the entire scheme. The government would not hear of it. America was to have cheap tea, but it was uh, to admit the tax. And the sordid purpose was surrendered on our side. And only the constitutional motive was retained in the belief that the sordid element alone prevailed in those colonies. I love how he talks about America. So that threepence broke up the British Empire. Twelve years of renewed contention Ever coming up, altered shape, the different uh, ministers made it clear that the mind of the great parent state was made up and that all variations of party were illusory. So the Americans grew more and more obstinate as they purged the sordid question of interest, which they had begun. And at first he said they consented to the restrictions imposed by the navigation laws, and now they rejected them. And one of the tea ships in Boston Harbor was boarded that night, and the tea chests were flung to the Atlantic, and that was the mild beginning of the greatest revolution that had ever broke out among civilized men. The dispute had been reduced to its simplest expression and had become a mere question of principle. The argument uh, from the charters, the argument from the Constitution was discarded. The case was brought on the grounds of the law of nature, more properly speaking, of divine right. And on that evening of uh, December 16th, 1773, it became for the first time the reigning force in history. By the rules of right, which had been obeyed until then, England had the better cause. By the principle, which was inaugurated, England was in the wrong, and the future belonged to the colonies. The revolutionary spirit had been handed down from the 17th century sects uh, through the colonial charters, And as early in 1638, a Connecticut preacher said the choice of public magistrates belongs unto the people by God's own allowance. They, uh, They who have the power to appoint officers and magistrates, it is their power also to set the bounds and limitations of the power and place unto which they call them, you know, giving us this authority to call people in to basically let them know what they're going to be doing because they work for us, right? And so uh, and so that was clear back in uh, 1638. So he said in Rhode Island, where the Royal Charter had been so liberal, it lasted until 1842, all power reverted annually to the people and the authorities had to undergo re-election. Connecticut uh, possessed so finished a system of self-governance in the towns that it served as a model for the federal constitution. The Quakers of Pennsylvania managed their affairs without privilege or intolerance or slavery or oppression, and it was not to imitate England when they went into the desert. Several colonies were in various ways far ahead of the mother country, and in most advanced statements, uh, statesmen of the, of the Commonwealth had his training of New England. So the powers of the federal government were actually enumerated, and thus the states and union were a check on each other. The principle of division was the most uh, uh, effic- efficacious uh, restraint on democracy, democracy that has ever been demised.